Chapter 16, The Secret to Self-Defense. One of the biggest mistakes you can make as a concealed carry permit holder is to view your firearm as the only tool in your self-defense toolbox. I believe concealed carry is a tool, but it can't be the only option you have. Wouldn't you agree it would be hazardous if your only two options for defending yourself were to do nothing or to kill someone? You have to have options in the middle. I encourage everyone to carry non-lethal options like mace or a baton. Every person who is concerned about a violent attack needs to know how to handle themselves in a fight. But there's one self-defense tool that I believe trumps all others. It's the art of learning how to identify and avoid the threat before it begins. Avoiding the threat isn't as simple as you think. It's a science that is currently being used by the U.S. Secret Service, Special Operations Military Personnel, Customs and Border Protection, and law enforcement officers across the country. Avoiding the threat isn't one skill. It's a combination of skills developed over time. These skills are situational awareness, intuitive awareness, decision-making, and the application of skill. If any of these four critical pillars are missing, the entire concept of avoiding the threat will fail. So let's break down each of these four critical pieces. Situational awareness. Situational awareness is the art of achieving a 360-degree awareness of your surroundings at all times. It sounds simple enough, but 95% of Americans don't have a clue what is happening around them. Recently, I was walking in a store and I noticed a young woman walking towards me. This woman walked for about 50 feet with earbuds in, staring at her phone. Never once did she look to see who was around her. She was a sheep, utterly oblivious to the world around her, and she is exactly what the wolves are looking for. Situational awareness can be broken into three separate parts. Visual awareness, auditory awareness, and keeping your head on a swivel. Visual awareness is the process of watching what is happening around you. Who is walking close to you? Which vehicle is pulling up? Where is the nearest emergency exit? What in this area could be used as cover or concealment from a shooter? These visual cues give you a powerful insight into the environment you're in. Auditory awareness is the process of listening to the sounds in your environment to determine if they match your baseline for what you believe should be normal. If you walked into a business and immediately heard someone yelling, crying, or begging for help, your level of awareness should immediately increase as you observe the area and begin making decisions for your next actions. Every time I walk into a building, I listen intently to see if I hear anything that I didn't expect to hear. The final component of situational awareness is keeping your head on a swivel. This is the process of looking around in order to maintain a 360-degree awareness of your surroundings. The other day, I walked into a UPS store in Brandon, Florida. The store was busy with about 10 people in the building. When I opened the door, not a single person looked at me. 
These people were so involved in preparing their packages, talking to agents, and looking at their phones that they were completely unaware of who I was or if I was a threat or not. For me, my head is constantly moving back and forth as I scan my environment for potential threats. Before I walk into a building, I look through the windows to see if the people inside are behaving according to my baseline. While inside, I try to keep my body oriented towards the entrance so that it is easy to watch new people entering the building. As I walk through parking lots, my head moves from left to right. As I walk and every four or five steps, I tuck my head down to see if anyone is behind me. The goal of situational awareness is not to be paranoid. The goal is to identify potential threats and then avoid them. It's kind of like defensive driving, and I'll bet you don't even try to be aware in, your, in the car. It comes easily because you've been doing it for so many years. In the beginning, you will feel a little weird counting exits, planning escape routes, and looking to see if someone is a threat. Eventually, it will become second nature. Intuitive awareness. Intuitive awareness goes beyond the physical environment to analyzing the people in that environment. Have you ever heard someone say that they had a gut feeling about a particular situation? This gut feeling, also called intuition, is not something you're born with. Instead, intuition is a learned behavior that must be developed over time. As I've been studying this topic over the last decade, I've discovered something fascinating about intuition. People who grew up in a dangerous environment are better at identifying the pre-incident behaviors of an attacker. In contrast, people who grew up in a safer area and have never been exposed to dangerous situations have a much harder time identifying them. Imagine for a moment that you are going to walk into Publix this evening. How many people would you guess are inside of a Publix between 6 and 7 p.m.? Probably a lot. Is it possible for you to look at each person in the store to determine if they are a threat or not? No, that process would take too long and would be impossible. Instead, you would need to be able to scan a large group of people very quickly and place them into groups. This process is called profiling. Yes, I said it. And before you guys call me a racist, start profiling my business. Keep listening. Our goal is to profile people based on our baseline for what we expect to be normal behavior. Evil people are made up of every race, religion, nationality, gender, and age. So these factors are not reliable indicators that a person has ill intent. Instead, we must profile people based on if they match our baseline for what we expect to be normal behavior. What is the normal behavior or demeanor you expect for a person shopping at Publix? I would expect most people to be calm and relaxed. If we walk into the produce section, we perform a quick scan and determine that everybody matches our baseline. Do we have to continue to watch those people? No, because they are doing and behaving in a way that matches our baseline. What if you notice a man who appears angry? upset, or frustrated. Does that match our baseline? No, 
This is the person you need to be constantly aware of. However, angry or frustrating behavior alone does not tell us that this person is a threat. He could have just lost his job, found out his wife is cheating on him, or just had a really bad day. So these factors alone don't tell us who is a threat, but they do tell us who we need to analyze further. To learn more about how you can develop this skill, visit www.avoidthethreat.com. Effective decision-making. As we are watching and analyzing the individuals who do not match our baseline, we must begin to make decisions about how we are going to respond if. This is why I encourage you to play the what-if game every chance you get. What would I do if that guy has a knife behind his back? What would I do if the homeless man approaching me to ask for money turns out to be an armed robber? What would I do if that person pulls out a gun and opens fire? I ask myself these questions every day as I drive down the road, walk through a parking lot, and enter a building. When I identify a potential threat, I ask, how can I prevent this situation? If I can get myself out of the danger zone, that's what I do. I also ask myself, where is the line in the sand? This question helps me identify an invisible line that once the potential threat crosses it, I have no other choice but to take decisive action. The application of skill. I train thousands of people every year to not only survive a violent attack, but to dominate. I've noticed that most people have this false belief that they will somehow be able to perform at a level that they have never trained or developed their skills. I believe this mindset comes from action movies, where we typically see a common theme among storylines. An everyday person has something tragic happen to himself or his family, and then they seek revenge. We then watch as this individual who has no background in defensive shooting, room clearing, force-on-force shooting, or advanced firearm manipulation, kick open doors and slaughter the enemy. Deep down inside, 90% of gun owners think they will be able to perform just like this and manipulate their firearm at a high level due to their false belief that they will rise to the occasion. Just imagine. If you went to a pawn shop and purchased a guitar, could you play that guitar? You might be able to make a sound with it, but could you use that guitar efficiently at a high level? No. To be able to play the guitar at a high level, you must be disciplined, you must practice, and you must be consistent in your training as you develop the skills necessary to perform at a high level. Using a firearm in a defensive shooting is the same as the scenario of playing the guitar. Just because you can shoot the pistol at the gun range doesn't mean you can use or manipulate that firearm at a high level or that you have the slightest clue how to use that firearm under extreme stress during a defensive shooting. The term application of skill refers to the highest level of expertise you have achieved as a shooter. Unfortunately, humans do not rise to the occasion. We will always fall back to our highest level of training. 
For those of you who have not taken the time to develop advanced shooting skills, this is an awful thing. This is why I developed the Advanced Concealed Carry Course and the 21-Day Dry Fire Challenge. These courses help you develop the skills, muscle memory, and mindset necessary to dominate a violent attack. During a violent attack, we will always be at a disadvantage because it is always faster for the bad guy to act than it is for us to react. The goal is that your training and preparation will help you overcome this disadvantage as you apply your skill to stop the threat. However, if you choose to be lazy or bury your head in the sand, you will never be ready for the worst day of your life. As I mentioned before, I know that it is my responsibility to keep my family safe, which is why I train as hard as I do. I hope that you will join me in this pursuit of developing your skills by visiting www.concealeduniversity.com. Become a hardened target. I believe bad guys, aka wolves, are looking for easy victims, the sheep, in society. They want people who are not paying attention and are placing themselves in dangerous situations. We want to become a hardened target. We want scumbags to look at us and think, nah, that's not a good one. Let's find someone easier. I want a burglar to drive past my house and think, nah, not that one. So the question is, how do we become a hardened target? In a parking lot. When you're walking through a dark parking lot, avoid walking next to parked cars. Park in a well-lit area close to the establishment. Women should walk with pepper spray in their hands, ready to spray an attacker at any moment. Keeping it in your purse is not good enough. As you're walking, look around and identify who is around you and what they are doing. Your situational awareness needs to be slightly elevated. If someone gives you a weird feeling, change your direction, go to the other side of the road, or tell the person to back the f*** up. By doing this, you're showing the bad guy that you're not going down without a fight. In your car. As soon as you enter your car, lock your doors. Keep your windows rolled up when your vehicle is stopped. Several years ago, a man was targeting people sitting in the drive-thru with their windows rolled down. He would walk up while they were distracted by the menu and demand their belongings. Avoid this by only rolling your window down when you need to, then putting your window back up. Also, avoid sitting in your car playing around with your phone. The wolves can see that you're distracted. It's effortless for them to approach and catch you off guard. In the last year, I've met two people who were victims of robbery because of this. Both were sitting in their cars at night when a bad guy approached and threatened to shoot if they didn't hand over everything they had. The first student complied, but while he was reaching for his wallet, the bad guy got spooked and opened fire. He took five shots and hit my student once in the leg. The second student had a much better outcome. He handed over his stuff and the attacker fled. They both learned a valuable lesson about being perceived as an easy target. In your home, let's start from the outside in. If a bad guy is standing across the street, can he tell if you're home? How easy would it be to break into your home? Will the neighbors notice? 
is anything going to make this home a complicated burglary? You need to sit back and reflect on these questions. Here are some ways you can shift from a soft target to a hard target. First, when a bad guy is looking at my house, I want him to see that this is going to be a pain in the ass. You can accomplish this in several ways. Motion-sensored lights and cameras around your home are a fantastic deterrent. And with today's technology, they are cheaper than ever. Plant thorny bushes around windows along with home security stickers or signs. Leave lights or a TV on even when you're not at home. Attempt to make your schedule as unpredictable as possible. One of the best tools you can use is a big dog. There's just something about the bark of a German shepherd that sends chills down a bad guy's spine. Even if you have a small dog, the out-of-control barking is enough to scare some intruders. Next, let's look at what it takes to get into your home. Is your front door made of glass or particle board? If it is, you need to replace it with a solid wood or metal door. Do you keep your windows locked? Do you have hurricane-proof windows or the cheap single-pane windows that can easily break? If you have a single pane, maybe you can install a shatter-resistant film on the inside. Install high-quality locks on windows and doors. Sliding glass doors are the weakest point in your home, so install extra locks or maybe place a block of wood in the door that will prevent the door from being opened from the outside. Finally, I want to ask you a question. If someone knocks on your door, what do you do? Do you immediately open it or do you look through the peephole first and then open it? If it's a sales rep or solicitor, do you let them into your home? I don't open my door unless I know the person or I invited them to my house. If it's a sales rep, I ask the CID before they can enter. One of the most common strategies bad guys use is to knock on a door and see if you're home before they break in. You can combat this with a ring doorbell. This doorbell connects to your iPhone to alert you that someone is at the door. You can then answer the door from hundreds of miles away. This is an excellent tool that keeps the intruder guessing as to whether you're home or not. The concealed carry mindset. I believe most self-defense situations can be avoided if we utilize situational awareness and operate as a hardened target. Our goal is to keep our heads on a swivel, identify the wolves, and get as far away from them as possible. Just because you have a gun doesn't mean you should put yourself in a dangerous situation. Remember, you may be the good guy, but that doesn't guarantee you'll survive. Avoid the wolves and live to fight another day. However, if you're truly backed into a corner, it's game time and you'd better have the skills and training necessary to survive.